1: The first degree. 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 The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
2: Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick. I'm sitting with Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. And today marks our very last episode, first degree episode of 2021. We have made it through another shitty ass year. And I would like to congratulate all of our listeners and us. We yes. did it, guys. You made it through. We made it thoroughly. through. And just so you all know, this is like a first degree light.
3: Um, we wanted yes. to provide an episode to get you guys through the holidays But it's not like a normal episode. We're just going to be running through some of um, the biggest crime stories of the year, takeaways we had, and uh, things that caught our attention this year. So that's sort of what this is going to be about. It's not going to be a traditional first-degree episode.
1: Now, we are wrapping up uh, everything that happened, some crime stories that you might not have remembered, Uh, some crime stories that you didn't even hear about. And also, we're going to tell you about some cases that are going to be coming up and some trials that are going to be coming up in 2022 that you want to look out for.
2: And you know, it was so crazy while I was doing my research for this episode, man, this year was long. And some of these things that felt like they were so long ago were just in like June or July of this year. And it's just such a mindfuck and everything just uh, time is an illusion, really. It it blows my mind.
3: Yeah, I can't believe some of the things I can't believe how long this year felt, but short at the same time. It's super confusing.
2: <sighs> help me. Well, yeah. Billy, we need to do the day. What day is it today? We need before to weekend. do the
1: day and it's December 29th. It's National Hero Day.
2: Oh. That's
1: always nice. like a good always like a good hero.
2: Sure. Yeah. And
1: that's pretty much it. There's a there's, there's a day called Still Need to Do Day, which is little a little aggressive considering that it's December 29th and there's two days left in the year and it's trying to say like you still need to do all this stuff before the end of the year, which is bullshit.
3: Right. And To those essential workers who are working at grocery stores, at restaurants, literally everywhere else, you're so badass, and I hope you take rest either before or after. Yes.
1: It's also TikTok Day, and this is what it says on checkaday.com. Oh, no. The The clock is ticking down towards the end of the year, but there are still a few days left. TikTok Day reminds us that the year's accomplishments shouldn't be seen as completed yet. There are still things that can be done. Every last second left in the year should be used so that there are no regrets of things not done. Who Ugh. does this shit?
2: I hate this. Yeah, not into that. <laughs> it's again another day to make us yeah. feel like shit for the stuff that we haven't accomplished this year. <laughs> not into it. Not my vibe.
1: Yes. But, and that's pretty much it. And wow. Pepper Pot Day, which I don't even know what that is.
2: Pepper Pot? I don't no know idea. what a Pepper
1: Pot is. Yeah.
3: Wow. Well, isn't All Pepper right. Pot's uh, like Batman's right hand?
1: Okay, Pepper Pot says Iron Man's right hand.
3: Oh, Iron Man! I was okay. I was. You that's were close, like, shocking. Good? It's
2: shocking, shocking I even know that. It's I'm shocking. I'm mind blown. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> that was good. It's though. not yeah.
2: related to that. I guess not. No,
1: it's not. I think it's an actual Pepper Pot.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Wow, oh, whatever. That's some
2: that's some marketing. Getting that Pepper Pot mm-hmm. its own day <laughs> for sure.
0: <laughs> All right.
2: Well. We, like Alexis said in the beginning of the episode, we don't have a case for you today because, like we said, we wanted to take a little bit of a break as well, but we're still bringing you an episode, so we're going to talk about all the True Crime headlines that uh, we found important over the year. Obviously, a lot of shit happened yeah. that we won't get to talk about, but um, we're kind of just reviewing the year and, uh, you know.
1: And, and we have a giant... Um update though. And this is something that happened. It hasn't really hit the news yet, but it's a story, it's a case that you first heard here on the first degree and then me and Alexis did it um for the second season of Unraveled. Yep. And Jason Christopher Hughes finally after years and years had his sentencing and his day in court. Me and Alexis listened to the, uh, the sentencing. It was very hard to hear, but what were your takeaways on it before we tell everybody what he got?
3: Well, before we tell everybody what he got to recap who this guy is and what, what we're even talking about is way early in, uh, during the first degrees inception, we did a episode called internet scene. And we heard from a woman named Rachel who told us about a guy she met in the nineties who, uh, you know, they met online and basically, one thing after another led to an encounter and then the encounter went awry and then basically he began stalking her online um in this harassment and you know real like exploitation of her privacy and beyond persisted for 20 years beyond that Jason Christopher Hughes has a victim who was his fourth grade pen pal who he then harassed for upwards of 40 years so he's got dozens of these victims we covered this story um as Billy said for unraveled and he kept once he was finally arrested for, you know, two, two crimes he committed. He then, um, pled guilty, retracted his guilty plea and then basically like played the judicial system to delay sentencing. It's been going on for five years now. So and finally then, we never yeah, thought it so, would happen.
1: Yeah. And everybody thought even, even people that we talked to that were, um, you know, judicial experts were thinking that the, the plan was, is that he was trying to delay it for so long that he would get time served because he was serving house arrest. He wasn't allowed to use a computer except for work. And everybody was thinking that he's not going to get anything, but he did get something.
3: Right. And he was facing, um, between 10 months to, to about a year. That's what he was mm-hmm. facing. So the the idea, but, but for like delaying The sentencing hearing was okay. He's been on house arrest for five years. Let's not give him anything. The sentencing guidelines only say between 10 years and uh, 10 months and 12 months, but it didn't work. Uh, We listened in, as Billy said, to the sentencing, and the judge was pretty like, sorry, dude, (laughs) you're getting something.
1: Yes. So he got one year and one day. And then after that, three years of um, basically parole and probation. Uh, supervised. It, yeah.
3: yeah. Supervised release. The conditions are pretty stringent. In fact, Rachel just sent along the the conditions of a supervised release. And uh, mm. one of the conditions is that he's only to use one email address and one name, which, you know, wow. he's m- many names and many email addresses and it's allowed That's him to be hurt. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty huge for three years. So, n- you know, we, at least there's some buffer here where we don't really have to worry about him.
2: <laughs> now, did he make any sort of a statement regarding that, that you guys heard?
3: Yes, he did make a statement. Uh, it was very hard to hear. But again, just pleading for leniency. Um, a lot of his, when he pled guilty, it was a lot. He blamed his mental illness. I put that in our yeah. quotes. Uh, it was the same sort of thing.
2: Wait, I have a question. Because he wrote a review for Unraveled about you guys, correct? Well, that you so think in? we think it's his wife
3: acting on his proxy.
2: Okay, I was gonna say, because I don't like, weren't they monitoring everything he was doing on the computer? No. Um, I don't think so. Not in oh. real time. Like
3: I think no, if not, they not had received it exactly. I think if they had received a complaint and decided to investigate, they could have like looked into it. Right. But his his wife was actively like talking shit all over the internet.
2: Right. Yeah. That was that was a doozy.
3: And they're living together. So it's like it's kind of a loophole. <laughs> like Yeah, that's a huge loophole if she's like you know, or it's him on mm-hmm. her email address, him on her user, her screen name. So it's just sort of like bullshitty. We didn't make it, anything of it because we're like, whatever. Yeah, do what you guys want. We don't care. <laughs> if You talk well, shit about at least, us online.
2: At least like the teeniest, tiniest bit of justice has been served in that case. And if you guys haven't listened to Unraveled season two, The Stalker's Web. Right. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Go, Thank you, Jack. Go back and give it a listen. And then if you want to go real, really far back for the very beginning of this story, you can go back and listen to Internet Satan. It was right in the beginning of uh first degree
1: land. Yes. It sure
3: was. It sure was. And you would be
1: and you'll be introduced to the owl poem and know what everybody's talking about on the Facebook group if you yeah. haven't yet.
2: Yeah, the OG Penny. first season no. Yes. Be really into all of our inside jokes, which is great. Totally. All right. Well, we a lot of obviously a lot of other stuff happened this year. Um, do we want to talk about the Glane trial for a second? We're not going to dive super far into it, but they're the jury's deliberating as we're recording this. So by the time it comes out, maybe there'll be a verdict. We don't know. Um, but that was quite a doozy of a situation.
3: Yeah. Um, well. For those of you who've been looking for a way to kind of know what's going on, the New York Times' podcast, The Daily, did a really informative like episode that basically explained how Jeffrey Epstein was quote unquote allowed to kill himself and the failures that occurred, which enabled that to happen and why he's not facing justice himself now. And I think that's really worth hearing and learning about. Um, and I think they they also give an update on the Ghislaine trial and sort of the defense's strategy and distancing her from from obviously um, com- complicit, being complicit in actual trafficking of minors to, to service Epstein and his cohorts and just, you know, painting her as someone who was managing his affairs, this and that. Um, you will never see any footage or hear any audio from that trial because it's in federal court and yeah. they don't allow that. Uh, so it is this ironic sort of, it's just as illicit as the thing she's accused of. I mean, we won't know that much about the trial and it's very, uh, it's disappointing.
2: Yeah, I feel like everybody out there that's been like so obsessed with Jeffrey Epstein and everything that's going on, it's like you're not going to get anything that you want out of this. Like, nothing is going to be released that's going to make that's going to satisfy you in any sense at all. And I feel like it all as like somebody who has like researched it or been super involved in everything that's going on, you're just it's going to fall flat at the end of the day. So totally. it's kind of a disappointment. Um, but you know. So it goes so it goes and at least
3: she's being held accountable to some degree because you know The victims of epstein, you know have this they're in limbo forever. I mean he took control by by ending his life It was a really cowardly way out um And uh, yeah, hopefully I mean glane gets hers
2: We can only hope so
1: yes. Well, somebody else got theirs in june of 2021 Allison Mack was sentenced to 3 years in prison for her role in the Nexium cult, the sex cult disguised as a self-help group. Yeah. And what would you what would you guys think is like the best thing to watch for Nexium?
2: The series The Vow on yes. this cult was was very good. Yeah, it was it was definitely like an in-depth kind of a view into everything that was happening in Nexium because Allison Mack was kind of the person that was leading DOS, which was basically taking all this collateral for different women that were in Nexium and using it for backlash. And there was a lot of physical sexual abuse going on in there. And I think in their the trial, she was just kind of trying to evade any sort of responsibility in that and was posing herself sort of as a victim in everything that was going on. Yes.
1: So she was uh, she was facing 14 to 17 years for um, racketeering conspiracy charges in 2019. And um, she, like we said, got the three years. And the guy's name is Josh Block from Josh Undercover Black. Escaping That's right. Yes,
3: That's right. And for those who need a reminder about who Allison Mack was... Um, Keith Raniere targeted celebrities because he yeah. wanted the clout. You know, he's very, very Manson y of him. It's like it, it's te- kind of textbook. She was on the show Smallville for 205 episodes. She did a TV show called Wilfred. She did a, a show called The Following American Odyssey and Lost in Oz. But her biggest show was Smallville from 2001 to 2011. Um, so she, you know, that was a big cult, you know. Cult favorite show. So she oh, yeah. had a lot of uh, notoriety and credibility, and she totally just got sucked into Keith Ranieri's web and then became just as culpable as him and the abuse and harm she was causing other members that had also been, you know, sucked in by them. So justice well deserved, mm-hmm. I think.
1: Yep. So that was two podcasts that we did about uh, two people. Two results. Uh, they've got um uh they got at least some jail time. Uh one case that we did we haven't done was the Slenderman attack. And this was a little bit reversal because Anissa Wire, who was convicted of stabbing her classmate in that attack, which was in 2014, was released from the psychiatric hospital in September of this year. What do you guys think of that?
3: Well, it's it's just uh, really difficult to decide what should—I mean, they were sh- literally children when it happened. So yeah. it's just sort of like—it's just not the same thing as an adult. I have a lot more compassion for rehabilitation in these cases, as sadistic as it is. I think about the way my brain worked at 14 and where it wasn't channeled into, like, violence. It was very— <laughs> um, You know, the way your brain works, you have no idea about long-term consequences of things. You just have no idea how the world works. And I just think there's – she could be rehabilitated. She really could.
2: And I'm pretty sure it was the other girl that was doing the – she was the person that actually stabbed – um, the little girl. And I'm pretty sure this was, it was kind of the other girl's idea and then lured her into the whole idea of Slenderman telling them to do the whole thing. So I guess you have to kind of take that into consideration too, when you're dealing with both of those girls by themselves um, and the rehabilitation between either of them separately.
1: So she wasn't supposed to be released until she was 37. She's going to have around the clock GPS monitoring. So she'll probably have an ankle bracelet. She's living with her father. Uh, her internet use is going to be monitored and she won't be allowed to access the web from outside her dad's house. So if she like went to the library down the street or something like that, she wouldn't be able to do that.
2: Yeah. No more pastas.
1: No.
3: Yeah. Again, though, like, thank God the victim, Skylar, she survived. You know, like, again, I think this is a good chance because it happened when they were all so young they can maybe all be rehabilitated. And if it's psychological issues some of these little girls are were dealing with, like all the more reason to try to help. Um yeah, I have a lot of compassion for kids who commit crimes that young because it's just like they mm-hmm. don't know what the fuck they're Your doing. Your brain
2: is like mush yeah. when and we're they not were young. and
3: they were, you know, that that internet shit just got into their heads and
2: well, it's also just the idea that you can't when you're that young and the internet is that prevalent in your life. I, I'm sure it's really hard to kind of like differentiate reality from virtual reality, you know, and what's real and what isn't because your brain is still being formed very slowly when you're that young and you're getting all this influence from so many different places that it's got to be just like so hard for those, just for anybody when you're that young and you're going through something too.
1: Just well, like, we're going to no. know Later totally. on in the episode, we're going to we're gonna bring up a very controversial subject, one of the biggest crimes in true crime history that deals with this, somebody that was under 18 that did commit um, a murder and um, who's been up for parole a bunch of times and actually did get parole. So we're going to talk about that later just to put a seed out there.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, when we come back, we're going to get into some more true crime headlines. <laughs>
3: Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. So something we want to talk about, a crime story that is unfolding in real time, actively unfolding in real time, is the emergence of this shopping cart killer. I don't know if you guys have seen the headlines about this. It's kind of sucked me in so far. So I wanted to pull together all the information that's available online so far about this guy. So there actually has been an arrest. Um, It's 35-year-old Anthony Robinson of Washington, D.C., And he's suspected of killing at least four women across two parts of Virginia. So this nickname, the shopping cart killer, was due to the fact that Robinson allegedly met his victims on dating sites and lured them to local hotels. He'd kill them and use shopping carts to transport their bodies to vacant lots to get rid of them. And then he'd leave the shopping carts there. So during a press conference, Fairfax County law enforcement said, quote, he preys on the weak and preys on the vulnerable. Our shopping cart killer does unspeakable things with his victims, and it's our collective duty and responsibility to bring justice and closure to all of our communities. So he was arrested based on video surveillance and cell phone records that connected him to two of the victims. And he was charged with two of these deaths last month. And the news stories really started coming out after that when they realized he may have been involved with the deaths of at least two additional women. The first two victims were Aline Elizabeth Beth Redmond. 54 years old, and Tonita Lurice Nita Smith, who was 39. And they were found dead last month in Harrisburg. In Harrisonburg, excuse me. An obituary page states that Redmond was a mother of two and a grandmother, and Smith was a mom of six, according to a GoFundMe page launched by her family to help with ongoing expenses. So the police actually believe their deaths took place at different times. Aline on October 24th of 2021, and Tonita on November 14th. So authorities also believe that Robinson is responsible for the death of a woman that they believe to be Cheyenne Brown, who's 29. And they found Cheyenne Brown's body and found a tattoo with the name Cheyenne in a lily on her right arm, which helped identify her. And really fucking sad. She was four months pregnant when she was killed. That's horrible. Awful. So Brown's mother, Nick. Nikidra Brown previously told the Washington Post that she believes her slain daughter had contact with Robinson before she disappeared, but wasn't sure how they met. Though it was likely in mid to late September while she was out of town. So when she returned, Nikidra said that her daughter's cousin had found a man in their Southeast DC home in her absence and said that she pressured her daughter about the man and Brown explained that he'd stayed there because he had no place else to go. And it was only five days later that she vanished now, last week, the remains of a fourth possible victim, a 21-year-old woman, were found tucked away in an isolated wooded area along Fairhaven Avenue in the Alexandria section of Fairfax County. So these remains were found in a large plastic container along with Brown's. And this fourth set of remains have yet to be identified. And again, a shopping cart was found with them. So they found the first two victims, and then they found the second two victims, and um They connected them somehow. Uh, I know two of them were the last to have talked to him on dating websites. So it's unclear whether they were missing first, then they tried to find them, or they found the bodies, identified them, then connected them to him. There's limited information available since this is still unfolding in real time. Um, Right. He met three of the four on dating sites, and they're still trying to identify the fourth woman. So he's facing charges of two counts of first degree murder for the first two victims. And um, we we know little about how exactly he carried these crimes out. Basically, one of the officers during the press conference described it as trauma to the body when asked how these murders actually took place. Robinson is described as transient, and uh, what's really interesting is he has a quote unquote remarkable absence in terms of criminal history. He has none. So wow. they've also con- they've also connected him to addresses all over the East Coast, New York prince george's county maryland and dc and they believe he has other victims so if on the off chance that you live in these areas (laughs) and you know any cases that could be connected i mean it's worth looking into and if there's something that you think could directly connect him to these it's worth looking into
2: well and it's crazy that those the two first ones that they discovered happened so close together too because usually not usually but i know you know when you talk about serial killers and them escalating and stuff like that. Just like having those two so close together, and then no other victims. I know there's four now, but like yeah. there's got to be uh, some other stuff that's not re- revealed or found out yet.
3: Right, those first two, those first two October, November. Then the second two happened between then and now. Yeah, yeah. That's four within a matter there's of no just way three he- months. He-
2: there's no way he's done nothing. And then all of a sudden in October, he's like, I'm going to kill four women in the
1: span of a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you just don't sexual assaults. Absolutely. You know, just like there has to be some sort of a ramp up period. And it's good that we caught him, you know, as early as we could. But yeah, I woke up in the morning to probably about, 20 emails about this about some people saying what about this crime what about that crime so there's a lot of stuff that potentially he could be connected to and you know particularly in that area in virginia i remember looking at a lot of the cases uh when jesse matthew was uh was found um, uh, having been a murderer and people trying to figure out whether he was responsible for other ones as well so keep an eye on it definitely
3: Sidebar, Jesse Matthew is another episode we've covered here on The First Degree, so it's definitely worth re-listening to that if you want to get your handle on this area and some of the crimes that have – and criminals that were operating sort of in this area yep. if you're looking yeah. into this.
2: Okay, so um I wanted to talk about the Gabby Petito case because I think it was the most viral case of 2021, maybe mm-hmm. of – true crime history, just the amount of people that were following it along, trying to be citizen detectives. I know the case was solved with the help of a citizen detective, a camper that saw their van. Um, But what I really wanted to talk about is the fact that they found nine other bodies on the search for Gabby Petito's body. And a number of these bodies were people of color. And I know that it kind of brought up this whole concept that you know Gabby Petito was an attractive young white girl. And a lot of persons of color that go missing or a murder do not get the same amount of coverage on media and don't get the same push and therefore don't get solved or get the help from police. So I wanted to kind of talk about these other bodies that were found on the search for Gabby. So the first one um, was Kylan Schultz and Crystal Turner. And this was a lesbian couple that had just gotten married a few months prior and in the beginning, they kind of thought that it was connected to Brian Laundry somehow. Do you guys remember when everybody was like kind of talking about it because it was during the same time frame and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, and yeah. I think there was an overlap of their locations. There, there was, there was. A, yeah. I think they're at the same bar or something like that.
1: No, where the so um, one of the women worked at a uh, food collective, and where that nine one one call was placed. Uh, remember when they we we saw the body cam? Um, yeah, uh, that was right near there. So there was, they were all within the same uh, vicinity of Moab, like really stones throws away from each other. So everybody was looking at Brian Laundry for this, but they they in had mentioned state, that there what was. What state is Moab in? Moab is in Utah. Got it. And Brian Laundry uh, or um, Schulte's father had said that there was this. They were they talked about some creeper dude that was near their camp, and they were going to move the camp um, to get away from this guy. But they were both found. Their bodies were both found near the camp after that.
2: And I don't think that that much has really happened. There hasn't been that many updates in their case, which is pretty crazy. So... They that was like kind of the closest connection to Brian Laundry, and then some of the other bodies that were found. One was Lauren Cho. She was a Korean American woman. Her remains were found on October 9th in the rugged open desert terrain near her last known location, which is this art, artist oriented Airbnb rental in Yucca Valley, about 30 miles north of Palm Springs. So she was staying at this Airbnb and then was reported missing at around 5 p.m. on June 38th. 28th, after friends that were staying there said that she kind of just left the compound with no food, water, or phone. Um, Another woman's body was Maya Marcano. Her remains were found on October 2nd in a wooded area near her apartment building with her mouth, arms, and legs bound with duct tape. She was reported missing by her family on September 24th after she finished her shift at the Arden Villas apartment complex where she lived and she missed her flight home to South Florida the next day. And they had a suspect in her death. It was this man named Armando Cabrillo. And he was a maintenance worker at the apartment complex. And he was later found hung on September 27th. Um, Another body was Josu Calderon. And he was a 33-year-old man. He was stabbed in the Yadkin Valley Overlook in North Carolina. His body was found in Blue Ridge Parkway along the Appalachian Trail. And before he was identified, there were a lot of rumors that he might have been Brian Laundrie's body, um, but they later found out that it was him. And then uh, the last one was Emily for Lazo, and she was... Her case was very, very similar to Gabby Petito's case. So she was living in a small bus with her husband, Joseph Ferlazzo, that they have converted into a home. And they were doing these road trips as well. They had taken a trip to Vermont to celebrate their first wedding anniversary. And just like Brian Laundrie, he returned home to his parents' house without Emily. And he was claiming that he just hadn't seen her in a few days. And according to NBC10 in Boston, he admitted to shooting and dismembering Emily's body. So... That's kind of crazy, too, because her case got no attention. I don't – have you guys even heard of that no. at all?
3: Oh, it's so no. terrible.
2: And it was pretty much like the exact same kind of situation to Gabby Petito. So there was that, and then there was um, a woman named Sarah Bayard, Robert Lowry, and then an unnamed homeless man. The, all of their bodies were found in the search for Gabby Petito's body, which is so, so crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many bodies out. There's so many missing persons out there, and like we've talked about, there's no database connecting the two. The closest is Namus, and law enforcement is, is not forced to put stuff into Namus. Some some areas are, some areas aren't. So wow. we still got a, a whole ways to go with that. Sure. Um, you know, right around the time that Gabby Petito was happening, there was a news report that said that the Zodiac was solved. Yeah. Shame on all the news media for running with it. It was not solved. I know the investigator. I had to deal with him during the DB Cooper uh, show that I did. Uh, we won't. We don't have to get into it. Why go see my dopey TikTok video or something? Because it was bullshit. Just Billy, let, just Billy promoting his
3: TikTok. Billy
1: promoting my TikTok. <laughs> if anybody wants to teach me how to do TikTok, you can tell. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You can tell it. It's a 49 year old man on TikTok.
2: Oh but my that's god. That's the kids
1: are. So um, wait. But so
2: what did they even say about the Zodiac? I like. I knew it wasn't. True. So I didn't click on any of the articles because I'm like, what is this bullshit? But what were they claiming?
1: They were claiming that um, he was related to a murder in Southern California. And then they said that the murder in Southern California, they had a picture of the guy and he looked like the sketch of the Zodiac because he had scars on his head. Now I've talked to people and they said, those weren't scars. Those were actually lines, like lines on your forehead. If you didn't get Botox, you would have those lines.
2: Uh, Um,
1: Even if it it was scar, it's so small of of a connection. Um, that it was listen, investigators are going to do that, but citizen they're going to say I solved it. I blame the news media for just running with it and saying zodiac solved you know and right. then putting in small small letters says an investigator. you know, y'all screwed up. so you got you got to do better on that one. But there were so a couple of things I want to talk about. two of the most hated people in true crime were in the news. Just recently, uh, this month, OJ Simpson was granted early release from parole. His attorney said he is now a completely free man. He's 74 years old. He was supposed to go on parole uh, in September of next year, but he was released for good behavior. And this was for that armed robbery charge where he was trying to like get back his sports collectibles or, or something in Vegas. Yeah. So he is now a free guy.
2: And he's out there taking videos with young ladies in clubs to be posted on TikTok. Yeah. Totally.
1: And also this year, Casey Anthony got into a bar fight at a place called O'Shea's Iris Pub in West Palm Beach, and we actually have something. We're not going to get into it right now. We, we've uh, dug very deep into this, and we're yep. going to have something for you later in the year.
2: Oh, yeah. We dug deep, and I can't wait for it to be released for everybody. I feel like you're all going to love it. Same.
1: Now, there are two. Th- there are two things that I want to talk to... Uh, everybody about, and I think it's uh, it's something that has gotten a huge amount of attention over the past week. It's this case of this truck driver in Colorado. Have either of you heard about this case?
3: No,
2: no.
1: Okay, so in April of 2019, a truck driver Rogel Aguero Medeiros was driving his truck, lost his brakes in Colorado. You know, he was getting in on a highway, I seventy, and he hit a bunch of cars that had been stopped. Massive fire. The crash killed four people. Now, he was just convicted of 27 counts, including vehicular homicide, and he was sentenced to 110 years in prison. Now, his brakes went out. So this seems to be an accident, but they were trying to say the prosecution focused heavily on the fact that he passed one of the state's runaway truck ramps as he was going down from the mountains. Now, if you've ever driven in the mountains, you see those little truck ramps. If your truck is yeah. going out of control, you're supposed to go, go over there. I never heard of, you know, we didn't have those on Long Island because we don't have Mountains, Mountains more than you know 10, 10 feet tall. So 3.4 million people so far have signed a petition asking the governor of Colorado to uh, give him clemency for time served. But the apparently before he was sentenced, you know, he said my hat my life is not a happy life. I wish it was he said he wished it was he that had died. But mm-hmm. the judge said under the guidelines set by law, his sentence could be no less than 110 years. Wow. What do you think?
3: I think this is a good example of, like, black and white sentencing guidelines. Um, you know, what you should look at is malicious intent. And, like, if he were drunk, if he were high, if it was a road rage incident, I mm-hmm. think those would be aggravating factors to sentence him more harshly. Um I don't know when it's an accident. When you think manslaughter, when you hear vehicular manslaughter, you think of like a fifteen-year sentence. You're like, you know, I don't know. For me, manslaughter—that's sort of like the baseline. You hear like twelve to fifteen, you yeah. know, um, because it's like you know you, it's negligent homicide. You made a, it's, which means you made a mistake either by ignorance or just freak accident or like. Or you, you broke a rule, but not one that you thought would end in a in a somebody's life. Death. Yeah. Exactly. Like hundred and ten years when when murderers get fifteen years to life. That's malicious like, I murderers. Can't, I can't it doesn't seem fair.
2: No. It's like you can't that makes no sense for somebody that, you know, committed first degree murder that they had planned out that was so so horrendous and horrible to receive less time yeah. in jail than somebody people who, that people who bludgeon, was caused by an accident.
3: Yeah. People who bludgeon or stab their wives to death get 27 years. Yeah. Out, out, out you, 15 with good behavior. I just think it's so not, insane. it doesn't align with other sentences uh, for malicious crimes.
1: Yeah. And you know, his uh, William Bailey, who was one of the victims, his widow uh, said that, um, that he got what he deserved. She, he, uh, she said he was found guilty of reckless behavior that killed my husband. That was the most important thing for me. Or thing to me, she said. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, you know he wasn't. There was no reckless driving. He wasn't. Um, uh, you, you know, I guess you could say that there were it was reckless driving because he didn't go off into the um, into the runaway uh, area. But he was. It was, wasn't like he was going 100 miles per hour. He wasn't drunk, like Lex said. I uh, wasn't driving recklessly. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't evading police or something like that. So
3: right. wasn't the commission uh, of a robbery.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's actually been videos on TikTok showing truck drivers are now refusing to enter Colorado. They're trying. They're saying like, "We're not going into Colorado. We're, you know, you got to get your stuff from someplace else because oh, wow. of this." Trying to yeah. So that is something that has had a lot of uh, people on the internet talking about it. And the second one, which went under the radar in November, a California parole panel recommended for the fifth time. That Charles Manson follower Leslie Van Houten be freed from prison. Now, Leslie Van Houten, who's seventy-two years old, she's serving a life sentence for helping Manson and the other cult members kill Lino Labianca and his wife Rosemary in August of nineteen sixty-nine. Now, um, now this is happened. I think one of the reasons why this hasn't this wasn't a big news story is because it has happened so many times before. Happened last year. Gavin Newsom, the governor. Actually, stated that Van Houten still poses an unreasonable danger to society if she was released from prison. Wow. She was 17 years old when um, she was traveling along the coast, and then her friends introduced her to Charles Manson. He (laughs) recruited her into the family, and then, you know, everything went awry after that. So I want to hear from you guys about this. She did not show well at the trial, in the initial trial. The initial trial, you know, remember Manson cut an X into his forehead. She cut an X into her forehead. Uh, She later said that she had been supplied LSD the whole time. When they asked her if she was sorry, um, she said sorry is a five letter word. You know, she was just, she was very much also saying that Manson wasn't responsible. She was towing the party line of Manson saying, I did this on my own. Manson was not responsible. And she also said, you can't undo something that is done. But since then, she has been, you know, and she was also, uh, she was sentenced to be executed originally, but then they overturned that in the Supreme Court. But since then, she's been a very model citizen. She's been, you know, um, doing model prisoner. Model, I'm sorry. <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> very model prisoner. And, um so what do you think? Do you think that she deserves at 72 years old, a second chance given that she did this thing at, uh, at 17?
3: There's also people in California prisons, life in prison for drugs who aren't going to get out, who have no chance of parole. So I'm kind of like, it's all relative. It depends on how the laws are written and laws aren't fair. Like if we look at what we just talked about with a Colorado truck di- driver, That isn't fair. There probably needs to be an overhaul. But if you have to apply it as it's written, Mm. um, I think there's lots of people in for way less who don't get this Mm -hmm. kind of consideration. Um, So I don't know. I see it sort of as like there's lots of people of color who are in for way less who are life without parole. So I just think you got to look at everyone to determine what's fair. And it's hard to say here.
1: I also think, too, that if this wasn't a high-profile case, she probably would would be let out. Um, I, I think there's no way in hell that a governor is going to just say yes. I think people are looking at him uh, whenever this case comes up. And it's just, he can gain really nothing politically from doing it. And that's yeah. what politicians think, which is not a good thing, but it's just like, that's just where it is right now.
3: Well, that being said, though, too, the Tate and LaBianca murders are two of the worst I've ever fucking heard of still to this day. Like, if you think about what happened at Roman Polanski's house, it's just yeah. like, I don't know that she should get out. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, she, w- she, she wasn't doesn't... at Roman
1: Polanski's house, though. Remember, she was only at the La Bianca's, but yes. I.
3: But still, like, I'm so sorry that like, what you do at a trial is etched in fucking stone. Mm-hmm. You you had Manson's back at trial. You carved a thing across in your head. Like, bad, bad, bad timing to make these mistakes because you can't undo them. It's literally in court record.
2: Yeah. Her behavior at the trial is basically like, I don't ever want to get out. Like I'm standing, I'm double down, doubling down. I'm tripling down on everything that I did. So it's like, you're right. People are going to continue to look back on that regardless if you're on LSD, regardless if you're under a cult leader's sort of spell or whatever it is. Like you're kind of, you fucked yourself back then.
3: Right and even innocent people it's hard to undo what's happened in their trial like trials are kind of like the Word of God like it's hard to undo them. it's hard to overturn mm-hmm. them. it's hard to erase that record and yeah. it's sad that she was sucked in in under his spell at such a young age. it really is
1: okay, so those were some of the biggest headlines of the year. We do have a few trials coming up next year. Uh, we had talked about some of the other uh, big cases that had been solved one of them, is a, a potential solve is the Kristen Smart case. She was the Cal Poly student who was last seen uh, with a guy named Paul Flores. H- uh, him and his dad were arrested for her murder. Their trial is going to be on April twenty fifth of next year. We're going to be watching that one. Well, yeah. And then also the George uh, Floyd murder trial round two is going to be happening in March, March eighth of two thousand two, two thousand twenty two. With the three other police officers who were more like the inexperienced police officers who were aiding Derek Chauvin uh, while Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd. So um, that is going to be happening. We're going to be watching that. That's a biggie. As well as we thought that the Chad and Lori Daybell trial was going to be next year. It actually got pushed back all the way to January of 2023.
2: Which is crazy. And it seems like they're going to be tried together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be Eat. watching out Yikes. for that because she was deemed not competent to stand trial earlier this year. Wow!
3: Yeah, can't wait to see what happens there. What a like har- truly harrowing case. Oh, so insane.
2: All right. Well, well <laughs> jinx Lex Me and Jack
3: had the same. Me and Jack wanted to wrap it up at the same time. You go ahead, Jack. <laughs>
2: Um, Those are kind of the biggest true crime headlines that we are interested in this year. And we wanted to wrap up this episode by handing the mic over to our listeners. We told you to call in and just, you know, it was kind of just open mic. Like, let Mm -hmm. us know what you... You know, accomplished this year, what you're looking forward to next year, what true crime cases were on your mind. Um, Just honestly, whatever you wanted to say, (laughs) we were just an open telephone line for you. So we're going to play some of those calls because you, our listener, are uh, the most important thing to us and keeping this podcast going. So we thank you for listening to our podcast twice a week. We love you all. And we hope to hopefully see you sometime in person next year.
3: That's right. And we're bringing you a ton of fresh content next year. Lots of new things to keep an eye out for. And we love you and appreciate you this year, as we did last year and the year before, and as we will next year.
1: Yes, very much so. Even more so. Because you'll have more episodes.
3: Right. Yes, 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 yes.
1: So remember, only you can prevent serial killers. Keep your friends close.
3: But not that close. Happy Heroes Day.
4: Hey, Alexis, Jack, and Billy, Happy New Year. This is Erica from the First Degree Group. Um, something that I want solved in 2022 is we need an answer to John Bonet Ramsey's case. And I read an article saying that they're gonna go forward with maybe DNA testing or genetic, t- genetic testing. I don't remember for sure, but I'm telling you this is the year we're gonna get answers. As always, thank you guys again so much. You bring me so much joy each week and Happy New Year. Thank
5: you guys. <laughs> Hi, Jack, Alexis, and Billy. Um, the thing that stuck with me most in the true crime world this year, um, and the thing that I started learning the most about, was the murdered and miss- missing indigenous women's movement and the tragedy that we see in the Midwest and um, in indigenous communities. I have personally been learning a lot about this lately, um, and I'm very glad Paine Lindsay has made his third season of Up and Vanished, Um, to focus on this, and I know your podcast is completely crowdsourced, Um, so I'm hopeful that some people will start speaking out and using your platform as well as a way to kind of talk about this movement, and I know in 2022, my resolution will be to see um, how I can contribute and help against this epidemic as well. So, that is the thing that stuck with me most in the true crime world in 2021, Um, I hope everyone has a great new year. Thank you.
6: Hi, I'm a big fan of the first degree. Uh, my name's Tanner. And um, the case uh, really resonated with me was the Linda Stoltzus case. Um, I'm actually from York County, which is a neighboring county, Lancaster. And at the time I was living in Lancaster when that was all going down. And it really just shocked the whole community. and. I'm so 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 glad that it finally got recognition and it's finally out there because I didn't know all the specifics with the case and it's just great that a uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite podcast, covered it. And I'm just uh, love listening to you guys, and I can't wait for the new season, and I can't wait for the new year to hear all these cases that you cover. Um, but yeah, so thank you for uh, getting me through the work day every day, and every Wednesday when you guys drop a new episode. I just really, really enjoy it. Thank you.
4: Hi, guys. Um, This is uh, Suzanne. Um, I'm calling for the New Year's show. I'm sorry. I'm a little little nervous. (laughs) Um, So, I love all of you guys, and I think the research that you do for each show is um, absolutely fantastic. Um, sometimes I get a little, uh, I used to get a little annoyed at how you guys would torture Billy, but I know it's all in good fun. Um, I could go on, but I know time's limited. Um, oh, I know. I remember um, one thing I got really excited about was when I heard that um, Alexis had triples as a young, younger child or adult, whatever, um, because I'm a typical lover. I have two, I'm on my set, oh, never mind. Anyway, um, I think the episode that resonated with me the most was the Jenna West story all about her son, Guerrero Sanchez. Um, I was amazed at the strength she had to tell her story about the tragic death of her son, um, being the mother of an only with an only son um, i I just i don't know that I could have done it without sobbing the entire uh, telling the entire story but um anyway, you guys keep up the good work and I look forward to more episodes in twenty twenty two and I'm not going to say it's going to be better than twenty twenty one because who knows what's in store but um I look forward to the show
5: Happy new year guys bye. Hi, Billy, Jack, and Alexis. Happy New Year. I would say that this year, I think I've listened to more true crime podcasts about Scott Peterson, and I know he's a piece of shit, but now I'm torn over whether he really did it or not. I want to see that case solved in 2022 one way or another. I mean, yes, he's a piece of shit, but I i have doubts i have doubts i'm sorry don't hate me happy new year thank you bye
7: hi this is kent thirsty currently living in not originally from texas important distinction (laughs) the case that consume me the most this year is the ongoing corruption with the west memphis police department Uh, they're flat feasible to acknowledge FOIA requests and all the rumors of lost or destroyed evidence A lot of us got loud on social media. I personally had many comments deleted from their Instagram until they got called out hard for that. Uh, And with the court order in October, they have finally handed over the evidence to attorneys. And Damian tweeted this very morning that the lab was awaiting arrival of the evidence to begin testing. So, hope to see major steps in this new year for exonerating Jesse, Jason, and Damian and finding the actual killer of Stevie, Christopher, and Michael. This is also the case I'd like to see solved in 2022, because it's closed, but not solved. So, same case for both questions for me. West Memphis, You guys are awesome. Keep doing what you do. Jack, you're going to be an amazing bride. Billy and Alexis, you're killing it with Unraveled. This new season is riveting. I'll be here,
0: keeping my friends close.